What's up, everybody? This is the Founder Hour After Hours. I am your co-host, Pat. And I almost forgot my name with all this shit going on, but I'm Posh. <laughs> How you doing, Posh? Dude, it's a great question. Uh, it's one I haven't been asking people because I know they're all feeling like garbaggio. Um, but I'm doing good, you know, for the most part. I think that uh, a lot of people out there are anxious, nervous, scared, all the negative emotions. But I think that at a time like this, when you know, there's a lot of uncertainty. I think that people need to remain as calm as possible yeah. because you don't want other parts of your life or your health to deteriorate or be affected by that anxiety as much as possible, of course. But with all things said, I'm doing fine, you know. Um, you know, knock on wood, family's good, I'm good, friends are good. You know, we could still communicate, you know, we have technology, we can still do a podcast six feet apart, yeah. which is what we're doing. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen Pat for like a month. over a month, yeah. Over a month. Which is, uh, that in itself is like We've just been virus. quarantining. It's the Pat and Posh virus right there. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, everything's good. What, what have you been up to? Yeah, same, man. I'm, I'm actually on the same page. Um, as, as much shit as there is going on in the world right now, you know, I've, I've, I've just like taken this time to really like focus on just bettering myself, you know, doing a lot of reading, like listening to podcasts, um, walking, which I never did before. Um, you just start like appreciating like the, the simple things. Um, so, you know, I've been getting creative with my workouts at home. Um, doing stuff that I never thought I would do, yeah, yeah. Uh, doing, doing a lot of yoga, doing Pilates. Really? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't used to do. I was talking to somebody before. on, uh, that I met via lunch club yeah. last week and they had an idea, Peloton for Pilates, Wow, which I thought was a great idea. So um, you get like a Pilates machine? You get a reformer mm. and, um, then you just sign up for classes. <laughs> and I told her she should do it. I mean, I, I, mean, I wouldn't doubt idea. that Peloton could just, that would yeah, be yeah, the, Peloton could do that's it. on the slate. Yeah, it's Peloton coming up probably. Sure, yeah. um, well, they've stopped production of stuff apparently so i mean i'm not surprised yeah but it's a good idea it's a good idea i think yeah. people are getting creative with their ideas yeah yeah no i mean it's been it's been good um yeah doing a lot of reading man i mean i'm just i'm, I'm just trying to yeah i'm just trying to like stay educated stay yeah or like mentally stimulated because yeah, yeah. the more you're on like twitter and instagram and you see all this yeah. shit going on and we were talking about it off off offline but um like yeah. the media is like just pouring out all the mostly negative news that's yep. going on in the world um you know as accurate as it might be um most of it or hopefully we hope um it, a lot of it is negative and like the the positives of, right. of this stuff isn't as as much in the in the limelight i think because the goal is to stop the spread and you know that and i think that positivity isn't newsworthy usually uh, in general i think in general yeah, yeah i think the news uh and that's that's what it is but i don't agree with it i think that that could change but I think that negative news spreads faster, right? Like, let's, you know, somebody dies. That news travels so quick. Someone's born, maybe, you know, it's like a, it's an interesting event. It's a once-in-a-lifetime type thing. But yeah. with other things that are positive, you know, somebody started a business or somebody, you know, raised money, et cetera. Et cetera. I mean, people don't really care as much, you know. But if it's negative and, it, you know, it could cause you, like, you know, these emotions that cause you to move or act or do something – that's what news is about. That's why I don't personally, I don't listen to the news. Mm-hmm. Luckily, my TV hasn't been working for the past two, three months. Uh, and I, I'm not going to get another one. Um, I think I've gotten really good. I feel like a lot of people have gotten really good at just like when you're scrolling on Twitter. Like if you just see something that's corona like, by, just, just not, like yeah. not even Corona, like just something that's like not 
very not doing anything for you or like for your life just 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 scroll like yeah it's like speed reading but it's like speed scrolling i've been avoiding like usually going on uh, twitter or social during like uh business hours because especially twitter because whatever that means yeah like nine to five (laughs) whatever business hours are yeah because all the politicians and every person journalist is talking about coronavirus and the deaths and all this stuff and i'm not saying that they shouldn't do that i'm just saying that i don't need to ingest all that information all the time yeah i know what the situation i mean is. for me like and, yeah a lot of it I, I think earlier on in this whole period um was a lot of the coronavirus stuff now it's a lot of the economic stuff like that i'm yeah. saying yeah i know but that's like that's also that can also lead you yeah. to a scary place because it's like it's hard to see a lot of hope when you're yeah. looking at all these like n- news um pieces about what the economy how the economy is looking right now and how it's going to yeah. look for the foreseeable future here's my advice on that and i'm not a financial professional but you know just from my experience right now, and I was talking to uh, my father-in-law too, and you know, he said three words, which are, or two words, uh, which are just hoard cash, right? And again, that's assuming that you have it. But if you do have it, if you have some sort of savings or whatever, try not to dip into it is what it means. Try not to overspend. Try not to spend unless yeah. you have to, right? So like what I did personally, something that I guess just to kind of speak on a more practical level, I just made a spreadsheet of like all the costs i have on a monthly basis health insurance you know car insurance car payment phone payment any sort of subscriptions that i have calculated that okay what do i have that you know do i have enough to cover that yes i do thank you thank god check the box what are things i can get rid of to reduce some yeah. of those payments but see I, I understand that on a micro level but on a macro level when we're looking at the economy yeah. like how would that play out if if if, 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 if everybody's hoarding cash yeah. um it, right now it's doesn't not gonna play that out well but mm-hmm. i think long, yeah. well it's not going to be good for the economy i think that the stock market keeps going up which you know i'm surprised about still but if you talk to some i think of the our stock friends, market yeah. is just on some weird like i don't think anyone understands what's going on with the stock market well right now. we talked to a couple of our friends and their whole thing is like the stock market looks into the future and when they saw that there was starting to be a flattening. But the future is so uncertain right now. Well, yes, but they're looking at the flattening of the curve, for example, when it comes to corona. So when it comes to things like that and they're seeing a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel type of thing, um, they're like, oh, okay, things are going to be okay. But what I think financial professionals do not understand are the, like the realities. And I'm generalizing. But they don't understand the fact that restaurants have now been closed for a month. They're probably going to be closed for another month, month and a half, two months perhaps. Small businesses in general. That is the majority of the working population. Look at unemployment numbers. You know, it was like 6 million or 6.5 million or whatever. That number is going to continue to grow. If people aren't working, they're not going to be spending. So, and they're not going to be investing because they have nothing to invest in. So, how does any, how does the economy do better if that's the situation? I don't don't understand it personally. I don't know on the financial side, but I'm talking about all things non-finance. I don't think the stock market and the economy is going to yeah. be doing. I've been well. listening to a lot of smart people, or like people I think that are smart, um, talk about like who. Um, one example, actually, I, I listened to a podcast yesterday um, with uh, it's on Rico Decode. It's uh, Kara Swisher interviewing um, Chamath Palapatia. He's the CEO of uh, Social Capital. Interesting guy, really interesting perspectives. Yeah. Not that I, I say I agree with everything he says, um, but for the most part, you know, he has a lot of really interesting stuff to say. He's um, he was like an early employee at Facebook, um, uh, billionaire. So he, you know, he's he's definitely had a lot of success, um, minority owner and like mm-hmm. the Warriors and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but anyways, he was talking about how he's like literally not like playing in the stock market right now yeah. at all like he because it's just like so uncertain i think he was saying that like the only stocks like is like one or two stocks that he's like 
like you know Zoom. bought was and i don't even think zoom i think it was like amazon and like he's he's chairman of uh, virgin galactic okay so um i think it was like Not a virgin good stock to probably yeah i don't know but anyways um it just seems like a lot of people who would normally be trading all the time are are right. like sort of like not dipping into the market right now because it is so volatile and like right. uncertain even though they say you know buy fear yeah no I, I mean i think for a lot of people like you said if 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 you well the hoard cash thing makes sense but also if you do have um at least some sort of disposable income and i say disposable but like you're investing in yourself yeah. but like you can buy low um it's yeah. you know it's a good time it's to buy a lot of stocks that you think you know once this pandemic is over with um in the next right. you know two to three years um you'll see these companies bounce back up uh, ideally maybe I mean, yeah. yeah, and I think. I mean, I mean, look. If you're a smart investor, you're gonna look at their yeah. books. You're gonna see how much cash they have and right. all that stuff. And you, well, you I usually a, don't look at things like that because I'm not a smart investor. But I think, or I'm not a finance person. But the things that I look at um, are: Do I think a business is recession proof? Right. And I think what this time is gonna reveal is there's gonna be a lot of businesses that are not recession proof. But the weird thing about this recession is that it was caused by mostly like a, a like this right. pandemic. I mean, yeah, but, it wasn't like yeah. a hole in like the financial system, like how it was in two thousand eight. Right, but like I think that there has been recession. There have been recessions in the past that were not caused by the economy itself, or but things that contributed. Well, the Great that, Depression you know, and all that. Great stuff, Depression, yeah. or just like wo- world wars or whatever. I mean, the Great Depression was a result of like the World War. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think I think that's what it was caused by, and it just lasted a long time. But I think in this case, we have a lot of things, right? Like you know, we have work from home, and you know, we have the technology, remote technology, to allow us to do things that we otherwise wouldn't be able to do a hundred years ago. Um, but I do think that, you know, all things said, um, you know, I still believe the United States is the greatest country in the world, uh, despite who our leaders, you know, are, or, you know, are doing, I think that one thing I've learned is that our local leaderships have really stepped it up. Um, and we're both from Southern California, LA specifically. And, you know, I, I will give it to mayor Garcetti and his team. I think they've done a really good job of, um, enforcing the safer at home policy quickly i think that you know based on where the numbers were projected a while back versus where they are right now i think that because we stayed at home faster we've been able to kind of temper uh those negative expectations and we've seen better numbers and it looks again like three weeks ago if you asked me and we were doing this podcast i would be like i don't see the light at the end of the tunnel like I have no idea. I th- yeah, I think what's for me what's interesting is is that um, obviously things are going to get better. Um, there's no question about it. It's more so how different things are going to be, and it's going to be interesting to see. But I think from a business perspective, um, a lot of this working from home um, and the normality of it, you know, with you know things like Zoom and um, just you know video conferencing in general and and being able to work remotely um, I think it's going to change a lot of things. I think I think yeah. I think a lot of businesses and people that work at businesses are going to realize that it is possible to be productive um, actually with less hours, less time spent right. on working from home. Um, right. And so, uh, you know, given, given that, you know, imagine working an eight hour day, how much more productive you could be if, if you are right. at home and not, not having to sit in traffic. So what I'm trying to say is, you know, I think there's a lot of overhead for businesses tied up in like rent and utilities and that right. kind of stuff where you have this, ma- ma- you know, massive office, having all these employees drive in again, causing pollution and all that. Like from a yeah. from a holistic point of view, I think that um, you know, you know, the future holds something similar to people not maybe having to live in these really dense cities, um, and and 
be a little bit more spread out, but also be able to work for the company they want to work for, even though they're not physically there. I agree. I do think the only downside is like, and people may or may not agree, but I think that it's the culture aspect of it, right? Like when you are around people, I think that you feel better. I think that we are social beings. And I think that, you know, if you are working remotely, whether that's at home or a co-working space or whatever it may be, that it, I don't know, you just, there's a lack of that social, social, like socializing. That's socialization aspect. Yeah. And 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 I think think that, and I think that, um, I feel like it matters more to, um, maybe people who are a little bit younger if you have a family, You'd be surprised. No, I, I know. I, I mean, I don't want to generalize here, but I, I, I definitely think that um, there is a big opportunity for that, and there are a lot of people that wouldn't mind it. Um, personally, I, I love being around other people too. Yeah. Um, but maybe it just looks different. It maybe doesn't look the same as it. There it might did be more before. of like a hybrid model. I yeah. think. Um, I think that it will open up the job opportunity more to people outside of your direct city that you're headquartered in or whatever i just think a lot of startups coming up in the next few yeah. years um a lot of them could be 100 percent remote and they'll work just fine yeah i mean now that there's like these no code you know no physical location i'm not gonna be surprised like there's gonna yeah. definitely be a change i mean that's you a know, huge piece of cost right there that you're yeah, gonna eliminate the, i mean rent being one of them yeah I mean, it's, it's huge. huge yeah because look if you want if you want to attract top talent Chances are you have to right now in today's age. Yeah. Um. You have to be in a in an area like San Francisco or LA or New York because that's where yeah. that's where the colleges are and the top talent tends to be. Yeah. Um. But look, if they're like if you're in um Kentucky and like you want to start a, a business and you have a great idea and you want to attract top talent. Um. And in a world where remote work is very much possible and you could be productive, I think that um that we're gonna see a lot of that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um. Alrighty. Well, we can keep going on and on about. A lot of things and that's what we're going to do on this episode um we've we've had all these topics that we wrote down over the past few weeks um and i guess for the coming few weeks we can also get you know our guests input about what they want to hear uh but you know some of the topics that we have that we'll discuss on this episode are future of work from home and the gig economy you know how do businesses bounce back um you know just pop maybe podcasting in general and just different trends that we'll see and things that might be a little different based on what Pat and I think the future will look like. So we can kind of just go through those. And yeah, we wrote a bunch of topics yeah. down, so we'll just go through these. And if you guys have any um, just like thoughts or opinions or anything like that, feel free to hit us up. Yeah. We could even share it on Instagram, yeah, yeah, yeah. get get some uh, discussion going around some of this stuff. Let's um, do it. But yeah, what do we what do we have here? Let's see. Let's let's start off light and just go heavy. I, I think we kind of touched on it, but you know, a couple of couple of the first things I think you wrote were like meaning of time, its relevance, who created weekends, quote unquote, in, you know, yeah. in the first place yeah, yeah, yeah. and the future of working from home and the gig yeah. economy. Um, yeah, I, I think, again, to sort of reiterate what I said, I think a lot of it's going to change. I think, you know, why, why does Saturday and Sunday have to be a weekend? Why even have weekends at all? Like, why not just work somewhere, mm-hmm. have a set, a set of responsibilities that you need to do, have a timeline and just get, get shit done. And it doesn't matter when you fucking do it, just do it. And I do think that things like a weekend were created, I don't know by who, um, somebody who's probably not alive right now, but for the purpose of doing things beyond work, whether that's spending time with family, friends on your home, et cetera, et cetera. Trust me, I'm not arguing that weekends should be banned. I was just, you know, while I was bored at one of these moments in time during the last month, I was just thinking about time. Because, you know, I would see tweets and I would see people talking about it and friends and et cetera. 
Like, what day is it? What time is it? It's Whatever. like we've all lost sense of time. Right. There's, n- It actually doesn't even matter because, yeah. and it really doesn't. And I've always had this thought, like, when I was working for other people, they would give me these deadlines or, like, these timelines or... And I'm just like, how arbitrary is that? Yeah, like, I think, I think, yeah, again, I th- with that model, I think there's a lot of wasted time. I think a lot of people go to work nine to five and a lot of that time yeah. is wasted. Yeah. It, whether it's like in a stupid meeting or just sitting bored at your desk yeah. not because, because you don't have work to do. Yeah. Um, like a lot of that time could be spent productively right. if the model was more conducive well, I think of a, it. I think a lot of it is legal based, right? Like for, when it comes to like employment and labor laws, because... If let's say, cause okay, what I think would be cool is like, okay, let's say I hire Joey. I hire Joey and I say, Joey, this is your job. I need these tasks done. That's it. Okay. Joey's going to either get it done in 10 hours, hundred hours. I don't know. Well, no, you got to tell him I, I need it done by like, for example, Monday. We exactly. need it done by Monday because we have X, exactly. we, have, we have this or we have that. But what that kind of leads to, and it's another topic we have here, which is the second topic, funny enough, is you no longer type really need employees. Right, you can really make it project by project based, campaign by campaign based. I think employees obviously give you the sense of consistency. They help you build a company culture, et cetera, et cetera. And again, I'm not saying those are bad things. I think certain roles require you to have a full time employee. Arguable. I mean, I think it's certain deba- roles. I think, I think that's also debatable. Maybe like yeah. senior leadership. Yeah, senior like like C like suite yeah. or yeah. But beyond that, it's like, and again, like you could use that same person, that, that same freelancer. I'm not saying you can't use that same person. You have to hop around, but. It also gives that freelancer the opportunity to take on more than just your company's project. It makes them, I think, better workers. Right. It makes them more well-rounded. It makes gives them time to, like you know, like you said, yeah. you have more time now to read books, well, you know, whatever. Yeah. It gives them that flexibility to work on other projects, to educate themselves, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I think that there could be. I mean, programs. there's your solution to the culture issue. Because yeah, if you sure. have only remote people that are project by project, then yeah. you, do you really even have a culture at that point? You do, though. You do have a culture. Your culture is. We we work with people who work for themselves, who are good at what they do, and have the flexibility to take on other work. And honestly, you know what I think about? If I was an owner of a company like this, I would have a fund or a program in place to educate some of those freelancers. I'd say, look, I'm paying you for your work. If you want to go on and educate yourself beyond that, right? Like, if you're an engineer that wants to kind of take it to the next level, learn another language of code, great. Go learn it. I'll pay for you. Yeah. You know, do it. Like, encourage them. I think they will come back to you. It's like almost like employee training, but like, why not for freelancers? And I do think, and we talked about this, what, three, four years ago, probably, but like, you know, the gig economy is already a reality. I think that after this, it's going to become a bigger reality um, and it's going to become more so of a normality. Um, And I think companies will- But the gig economy is a little bit different than like remote. Like, I think- no, no, I know it's different. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I also like, I think a big incentive right now to, to find full-time work obviously is the benefits and all that kind of stuff that comes along with it. Because as a, as a 1099, you yeah. know, contractor and right. uh, freelancer, you don't necessarily get all that stuff. Right, but I do think that what's going to, I think that again, this is all, it's all tied together. But I think also what's going to happen is, and then we're seeing this right now, is telemedicine is going to take a greater role. So there's like Forward, for example, is one of the companies yeah. that comes to mind. But you don't need to pay $500 for your insurance, right? Like, especially if you're a young person, ideal, and you're like, you know, healthy forward, for example, which is, this is not an ad, unfortunately, is like hundred dollars a month. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And you have access to all this stuff. You have access to all this information. There's going to be a lot of these companies right now that are already building this type of technology and this type of company that are going to come out to be, they're going to be specifically directed to the gig economy. Right. It's not going to be for employees. Sort of it's disrupting be are, the yeah. monopolized yeah. insurance system. hundred percent. Because that's yeah. what it is. That is the biggest issue. 
beyond that, okay, great. You know, social security, all this other shit. Yeah. Okay, great. I get it. But there are ways to combat that. Almost like, I almost feel like all this disruption has to happen in tandem with each other for it to really like work. So, I, I mean, it's going to be, yeah, I think, right I think, now the, is I that think time? The more, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think like I, I, as, as shitty as all this stuff is, I, I think one positive, you know, in this respect that I see is the, the opportunity for disruption, yeah, um, which I think, again, is going to create a whole different world for us yeah. in the next few years. You know, I was talking to a close friend literally right before the podcast. And one thing we were talking about is, you know, you see all these layoffs, right? Yelp, you know, 30 to 40% of their workforce, you know, bird, 30% I had never of their seen, workforce. I hadn't seen the word furlough <laughs> used this many times. Right, ever. I know. <laughs> um, uh, Eventbrite, 46% of their workforce being laid off. So forget the recession-proof part of the business, but I think what that does is when these companies right now are essentially weakening themselves. Sure, they're trying to save cash, but they're weakening their company by letting go of their workforce. What that does, in my opinion, is it creates this equalizer almost for other people to come and compete with those companies. Because when this is all said and done, and you're a new company competing in that space, you're now competing with somebody who's not coming from a position of power on the other end. They're coming at a position of weakness where for two, three, four months, they weren't able to do business as they were already doing it. They don't have the you know workforce, et cetera, et cetera. They're not going to play catch up. They're not going to be focused on innovation. You're going to be focused on innovation. This is a perfect time to go and say, I'm not saying go compete with Bird or whatever or Yelp, but if that's what you want to do, no, but it this is, would be uh, a yeah, great time. You're right. Um, you're, you're competing with companies that have a weakened position in the marketplace. Um, and, and like, you know, it is a great time because you have the opportunity you ha- you have you have the fact that you don't have all this overhead on mm-hmm. your side right now so you can you can start lean you have nothing and to lose. and you can start fresh um and so yeah if you have an idea and you want to pursue it now is the time yeah and i would say you know if you're entrepreneurial and i mean both pat and i are and a lot of our listeners are take like it's a better time to take a greater risk because there's not much downside yeah um, as long as you're doing things that are a little, you know, a little more, you don't have as much to lose as you would, I think pre this. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so because, and another thing is try to frame your mindset in a way of what you think the world is going to look like. You don't have to be right, but if you think like that, I guarantee you there's a lot of other people that think like that. Yeah. Too. And something that precedes is like, just follow your curiosity. I think if you follow your curiosity, mm-hmm. then you'll know more than the average person about yeah. one particular mm-hmm. thing that you find, you know, yeah. interesting and then try to learn about it and see what you, what the signs show, you For know, sure. and, and I'm excited. I'm excited that. to see what yeah, comes of it. Hopefully, you know, you and I can come up with something as well in this time. And I think we're locked up for another 45 to 60 days. So <laughs> no excuses there. Yeah. Um, alrighty. Let's talk about some of the businesses, man. Like we've seen a lot of these businesses that are just getting screwed left and right, obviously, you know, with these safer at home, stay at home policies. Um, you know, a lot of uh, service businesses are closed, whether it's food service or legal service or dental service or whatever, medical service. I mean, I got yeah. an email from my doctor saying it's only teleconferencing uh, or whatever. I mean, how do they bounce back? I mean, what the hell is going to happen? Yeah, I, I think um, for a lot of these, you know, companies, for example, these big companies that you just mentioned recently about like doing these massive layoffs and stuff. Um, yes, they're, they're, they're getting hurt, but for the most part, I think many of them intend 
to rehire many of the same people once this is all over with. I, I don't have any sort of inside information from any of these, any of these companies, but yeah. I can only assume that these are people that have been trained to do their jobs. You know, they're they're highly skilled people many in many cases, um, yeah. and it's going to be really hard to replace them. And I don't think that's the intention. I think a lot of this has to do with you know the system right now is in a way where it's better for you as a as a as a company owner. Um, and better for the employee for them to get laid off so they can go collect unemployment yeah. as opposed to having the company pay them right. with cash that they're not right. you know recouping mm-hmm. through sales because it's a you know there's this dry period right. so um, I think for the most part I'm not as worried about these companies um, that are doing these massive layoffs I think they'll bounce bounce back I, I am worried mostly for these restaurants and these smaller mom and pop shops that are not you know doing nearly as much sales as they should be to like stay or afloat any, yeah. i think a lot of them are going to unfortunately close their doors um but look like if they if they have some sort of brand recognition and people love them and people love their you know food and all that stuff mm-hmm. then then they could figure out ways to bounce back too you know i don't think yeah. anyone's just going to be left in the dust and not be able to bounce back right. um but yeah we're, we're going to see a lot of turnover i think yeah that's those are very good points i think another thing is um you know so at least in california i know that um I think a few days ago they announced that the unemployment uh, paycheck is going to go up six hundred dollars. So yep. right on, now, no, on top of yeah, exactly on, on top, top of what yeah, you're. So I think the yeah. maximum right now is four fifty. So yeah, four fifty. So week. you'll be getting up to thousand fifty uh, a week, if I'm not mistaken. Which is I mean, which is crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. A lot of people, I guarantee, a lot of people collecting unemployment weren't making that before. Well, they won't be getting that much. They'll be getting that's the maximum. Yeah, but, but with that six hundred dollar additional money i think a lot of them are going to be getting paid more than they were before i think there are a lot of people in, that from their work or just in general no no that were from getting paid from their work are going to yeah, get yeah. paid more and look it's justified because you know yeah, they have bills yeah. to pay too and all and that, that doesn't stuff. include yeah. taxes so like if you, you obviously that include sorry that 1050 includes taxes so if you were to um deduct the taxes, deduct taxes yeah. i think it's around like 10 percent or something yeah. like that in california but also beyond that i think the federal government has made it a little simpler by releasing that two trillion dollar uh, package mm-hmm. with the PPP, the payroll protection program. And I think that there's going to probably be another round, if not another two rounds of that. So there are ways for uh, companies to protect it. But the one caveat is you must still be paying payroll to your cu- to your employees. Right. So uh, what is that? Um, I don't know if you've read into so it. Is it like I basically have. the government covers the payroll if you continue to employ the... Correct. Okay. But if you furlough them, they won't. Or sorry, they will. But... You have to pay the interest on that loan. So oh, it's a if, loan. It's yeah. It's, it's they're all loans. They're all However, loans, yeah. so I'm on the board of directors of the school, and one of the things that we're going through right now is that. And um, if we were to keep all our teachers, which we are, we would essentially that loan would convert into a grant, meaning it would be free money from the government that we don't have to pay back, which is what we're doing. If we were to furlough them or reduce their fees, uh, reduce their salaries. Anything that would be a change in their employment status, um, then I think there's a three or four percent interest on that. So loan. why wouldn't you just continue to employ them? We are. Yeah. Why wouldn't anyone? Beca- because if they're not making any money in return or have no reserves and they can't afford them, then yeah. They but you're can't. not paying their payroll, so why would you, why would you? But you're also not getting any money in. If you have rent, for example, or if you have other th- payments that you're making, insurance payments, you're making payments, other payments. Like for example, the school has like rent, insurance. Uh, utilities, all this other stuff. Well, well, what I'm trying to understand is, does the government cover the, for their full salary? In fact, you could, I think, get up to like two and a half times more. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like it's like it makes no difference to your bottom line. Yeah, but you... then you have to now you have an extra loan that you have to pay. No, 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 you said a grant though. 
if you keep them employed. That's what I'm saying. Why not? Like, if you, why doesn't everyone do that? Because sometimes some of them just don't have the cash. For example, okay, or if they do have the cash, they don't know how long this thing's gonna last. So this thing goes on for what, however many months, right? Oh, you're saying is it some sort of reimbursement that you get? You don't get reimbursement. You just don't have to pay the loan back. Okay. Okay. So let's say right now you run a restaurant. You have five employees, small business. If you keep them and apply for the payment protection, a payroll protection program, that will essentially, this might not apply for for profits, but I think it might. It turns into a grant where it's just free money or you're going to have to pay a very minimal percentage of that loan, the interest. Do I have to pay anything out of pocket for that? For the loan? No, no, no. For the payroll protection program? If I continue to employ my employees, do I have to pay anything out of pocket? Is it fully covered by the government grant? If you if you are approved for the loan, then that I'm loan approved. will pay them. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if you apply that for the loan and you get it, yeah, depending on the amount, you will you could pay them, you could employ them. But what's happening is because there's not a lot of work, restaurants are like, why are we going to pay them? Because now they're not the, paying them. Though the government is paying them. I know, but they have to still give them work to do. Unless they're just like, go sit home, we're going to still pay. Yeah. yeah, they could do that too. That's what they I'm trying to say. Too, yeah. Like, it's better to do that. They could do that too, but some of them are just, they I don't, don't know I just the think process the problem is that a lot it. of them aren't getting approved or whatever. It's like, there There's isn't- only a limited amount of money. Exactly, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Uh, yeah, well, which is, that, that plus, some of them just really don't know how to do it. They don't know about this stuff. So ideally, if you do know about this stuff or you're hearing about it for the first time, do it. We have like a whole blog on this on yeah. our website mm-hmm. about this or hit us up and we'll send you the blog or- Talk to people. I mean, there's at least one person that's going to know about this. So definitely take advantage of it, whether you're a small business. I think there's even for solo entrepreneurs, like, you know, uh, you could do it. Um, so nonprofits, everything, because it's, it's a huge issue. So so that's a huge thing that the government's trying to do. Um, I think another thing, and I was talking to Charles Liu, uh, one of our former guests, good friend of ours, former boss of mine. And so he owns Stout Burgers and a few other restaurants here in LA and across the country. And I told him, are you worried at all about, Closing down completely because they haven't been open for like three, four weeks now. They haven't. Are uh, they doing deliveries? No, they're not doing delivery, no takeout, mm-hmm. nothing. Um, and then what he told me was, he said, I'm not worried because he's like, we've been doing pretty well up until then. But he said that if we were to be in jeopardy of closing down entirely, that would mean that 95% of other restaurants would have closed down before us. So I guess the point being, um, there are going to be some people, like you said, that are going to completely shut their doors. Um, I think for the most part, people will make a comeback and yeah. know, start small. The crazy thing is this is happening. Stuff. Like this is a worldwide pandemic. Yeah, it's crazy. So it's, it's like crazy. the whole world is on hi- like hiatus. Like yeah, it's on yeah, pause. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying that to discourage people from like finding work because like there's a lot of work out there that yeah. could be done. Yeah. Um, but I think that it's just interesting that we're all kind of in this together. And I, and, and I think that brings a lot of hope to people too, where it's like, you yeah. don't feel like, you know, you don't, you don't separate yourself from everything that's happening and say, this is happening to me. It's right. happening to us. It's happening right. to all of us. And it's important to also, you know, if you are coming up with a new business idea or you are trying to start a business is to be cognizant of these things that could happen, right? Just because this pandemic happened 102 years ago originally in 1918, whatever, 1919, it doesn't mean that it's going to take another 100 years, right? Try to make sure that your business is like bulletproof as much as possible, right? Yeah. Because these things do happen, like, you know, whether it's a pandemic or a war. Well, I think the big thing about business is that, and what we're seeing now is that a lot of businesses just didn't save cash they didn't they didn't 
keep cash on reserve. Issue, yeah. But it's an issue, but it's like, what are you supposed to do? I think, I think most businesses, but would you? I mean, like, I think most businesses chose, you know, if, they, if you're public, you chose to pay that in dividends to your shareholders. If or you're, uh, if you're uh, private, you know, you chose to pay more to your employees or reinvest back into the business. I mean, yeah. it's a tough, it's a tough thing to, to battle with, you know, is, mm. is how much money should you keep in reserve? And I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not the expert on this, so I don't know, but it'll be interesting to hear from people who are maybe have better idea of that is like how much money should a business typically keep on reserve yeah. in times like for times like this? I don't know the answer either. I think the um, big companies did and that's where yeah. they're going to able to, you know, survive. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear from somebody or, you know, read something about that. You know, I think that when you are in startup mode and early on, whatever, first of all, you probably don't have that much cash to save anyways. Um, and if you do, you know, good for you. But it's probably the profitable businesses like Amazon's and Apple's of the world that are fine. Um, but yeah. for the most part, you know, if you're a smaller business, I mean, it's, I don't it's know. hard because like, pay yourself. I mean, at the very least, like you're not going to at least invest that into some sort of like mutual fund or index fund or no. something to like get some sort of return. It's just going right. to be sitting there. But right. hey, man, in times like this, cash is king. Look, I also think that it does start off on the individual level, too. I think that, you know, to you have to be responsible. I think. You know, when I had a paycheck, like from working for somebody, I would save like 20 to 25% because I knew I didn't want to be there long. And I knew that there was going to be a time where I wanted to be on my own and I needed to give myself leeway. And all that means is like, I mean, and that's the one thing that's positive for me, like that's come out of this type, this time. And we, I was talking to Alex Martinian about this a couple of weeks ago where you realize, and you kind of touched upon this is like, there isn't much you need to spend money on, yeah. right? Like. A majority of my money was spent on food outside, like eating out, um, you know, stupid purchases. When I say stupid, like not necessary purchases on Amazon or shopping online for clothing. I mean, I'm wearing the same shit, like for the most part every day, yeah. like, you know, you're at home, you, you, the basic needs like food, shelter, and uh, what's the other one? Water and stuff. Yeah. Those are things that you're Ma- going to pay Maslow's, for. The bottom of Maslow's hierarchy. Right. So um, those are, the, yeah. but if you don't have that, nothing else matters, right? Right. So if you can just focus on that and be lean, I mean, just like they say, a startup should be lean. After you come out of this crisis, and I think this is something that I need to like hammer down for myself, is stay lean, yeah. right? Because the more cash you have, the more you could do with it. Well, I think on a consumer level, um, what we've seen in the last like 10 years since the last recession or the housing crisis was just like this massive wave of overconsumption. Like yeah. we just need more and more and more. I mean, we've seen it with fast fashion. We've seen it with... Yeah. Because there's just more food. out there. Yeah, but I think and and I think that in that time, um, from what it looks like, we've been overly reliant on like other countries, specifically China, for right. for, for manufacturing and right. production and stuff like that. Where as a country, you know, in times like this, like it really hurts us because you know, what, what, as a society, if we could just consume a little bit less, consume better, but less, yeah. okay, um, then I think that we won't have to be as reliant on, you know, the, the issue is that we, we don't, we don't, you know, we have a standard here in terms of um, manufacturing and, 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 and employee compensation and right. that kind of stuff where um, it's going to be really difficult to compete on that level, on a production level, on a manufacturing level, unless, maybe, maybe unless, not. unless consumption, consumer behavior yeah. changes. Right. So I think that, um, you know, it'd be nice to see that take a shift a little bit more into, into not consuming as much, uh, which also has an impact on, um, uh, the environment. Um, right. I mean, Look at it now. I mean, look at this environment now, like the climate, for example. I, I yeah. honestly... Have you seen these photos of LA? 
I mean, yeah, it's unreal. I mean, have you seen LA like, yeah. with your eyes? Like, it's unreal. Like, I was driving last night on the freeway at like 11 p.m. It was like foggy, and I could still see LA because there was no smog, like the skyline. I mean, I think I think I read somewhere it might have been a fake headline, but like, it was like LA is one of the top cities, like in terms of like our uh, air quality right now, because no one's no, no one's driving. driving yeah. But I think that there's a lot of good takeaways that we could take from this period and apply it. I also think that just as the government stepped in right now i think the government and i'm not a big fan of big government but i do think that when it is done right and it's done well i do think that government can play a role in things such as manufacturing right why not stimulate and why not create that culture and fund businesses or give you know low interest or no interest loans to companies that want to start manufacturing just the same way you're giving out 1200 dollars to people now and the same way you're giving yeah. this payroll protection it's that like before, money exists. Be- before this we couldn't do all of a sudden yeah you know we couldn't all of a sudden do that we have fucking 20 billion yeah. trillion dollars a lot of money and we'll see what the impact is going to be well on we're gonna have an, we're gonna have massive inflation i'm sure but yeah. like regardless like we still come out of those things but yeah. if you do stimulate the economy and create jobs through manufacturing which is like literally where a lot of jobs can be created whether it's fashion whether it's cars whether it's furniture whether it's food i mean anything can be manufactured here and it'll be much easier it'll be much faster in terms of getting the product developed as opposed to coming overseas this and that whatever shipping etc etc we can become import or sorry export leaders so there's a lot that could happen that the government can do but we are like you said so reliant and i don't know for what reason i'm sure there's a reason i'm sure there's some sort of fucking treaty or pact that well was i think a lot of it ago. just has to do with cheap labor and cheap prices and as a society cheap labor as cheap a society, prices, we've, cheap we've, got, we've gotten used to that we've gotten used to over consuming cheap products well we are a quantity over quality type of society That's which what I'm I, saying. well i'm generalizing again but i disagree with that i would like would you're, you sorry, you're not generalizing food? though because that's what it is otherwise we wouldn't otherwise the most valuable fashion companies in the world wouldn't be fast fashion i think that there's going to be changes coming i don't know when but hopefully sooner than, than later i just don't think like for me, I guess, and I don't know if I'm speaking for the masses or not, I would suppose so, but I prefer like quality food over quantity food. Right. I will pay more to not get some shit product. I mean, if I'm putting it in my body or um wearing it or somebody that I know is, why would I want something shitty? Right. Right? Yeah, I can get it more accessible. What does that mean? Probably means it's gonna be less good for you in your body. So those are the things that I think that we need to think about. I think that it's a game of messaging. I think that um, you know, we need to communicate those things better. Um, and I think that that comes, I think the government needs to do a better job at that. I think that whoever is in charge, we need to be much more focused on creating opportunities here, right? If that means give out loans for zero to low interest, do it. That's what I would do if I was president, honestly, like that's what, that would be my policy is like, let's stimulate people doing things here. Let's, let's incentivize them, you know? manufacturers now or companies now are not incentivized to produce here yeah they're not i don't know if i if i read this correctly or heard it correctly but i heard that in the in the treaty or in the agreement that china had with the u.s pre uh covid19 which is like i think in january yeah it was recent um there was a clause in there that if there was a pandemic they can't pull out that 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 they don't have to agree to that they don't have to abide by the rules of the the agreement china doesn't yeah so well, what I'm just saying is that regardless of, you know, we're not, you know, regardless of like pointing figures at who did this, yeah. who did that or whatever, I'm just saying that as a country, it's not good in general to be too reliant on another country that has a whole different set of rules than right. you do right. on things such as 
manufacturing and production. So um, I think that yeah. this period right now is showing consumers or hopefully showing consumers that you don't need that much. You don't need that much clothing. You don't need that much food mm -hmm. or this or that. Mm -hmm. You just need quality. Um, and that's that's pretty much it. And so like yeah. in order to to have to be less reliant, I think that we have to be okay with yeah. Yeah, consuming I mean, less i think both of us have like endless thoughts on this and maybe yeah. we can have i would love to have like to hear from somebody that you know maybe knows a lot more about this topic about like like an economist import export <laughs> yeah like economist import export yeah. like i think it's good to have like that knowledge about like why these things are like the way they are no, it's really important how it's it really can important. change i mean i'm not i don't think i'm it's an a collective the, effort at the end of the day it's not going to be you know one or two companies that or the government yeah. it's, it's not really the government that's going to change this i think it's as a society we need yeah. to somehow but we also, together. it also comes down to education, which we'll touch upon a little yeah. later, but like, we're not really taught to be manufacturing things, right? Like, I mean, think about it. The ventilators and the masks are, ha are having to come from China. I mean, yeah. we have the best schools in the world and we have the best people in the world. You're telling me that we don't have what it takes to build it? No, we do. We, we do. do. Um, but we haven't. But there's very much a technological revolution now as opposed to like yeah. the industrial revolution right. which was like right. you know you such know, a long time ago another thing that's related i'm not sure if it's on here or not but i've been thinking about it and i'm going to talk about it real quick but you know i think that and it has to do with everything that we'll talk about and we've already talked about is the united states and i'm sure other countries and just society in general has been a lot it's is it, we're not focused on preventative right we're always reactive yeah we're reactive sorry um, we're not looking to do things and invest in things that will prevent bad health, bad economies, et cetera. We're like, you know what? Let it happen. Let's ride this good wave. And then when it comes, we'll figure it out. Okay. It doesn't work that way. Okay. Yeah. Like, I don't know if this was always the case, but if you prevent shit from happening to your health, you'll live longer, you'll live better, you'll live happier, you'll have more things to do, et cetera, et cetera. You'll be able to fight diseases, et cetera. If you prepare for an economy to be bad, exactly the same thing right and i look at the past two presidents before donald trump right i was reading george w bush back in 2005 um read a book about the spanish influenza and immediately went to congress and said we need to do something because we're coming up on that time whether it's during my presidency or another one something's gonna happen it's just it's just the, i think he said it on a, in like a, in a he, he said on stage. yeah he said yeah. it they developed a whole committee they started working on it whatever yeah. fast forward obama same thing a few years into his presidency said look this is gonna happen whether it's in five years ten years one year whatever we need to prepare for it we need to have the equipment etc time comes nothing's been done well because we don't want to invest in it well, we're like oh, we don't know cut, what's gonna happen didn't trump cut the pandemic. And he also cut the, the budget to the pandemic. Yeah, I think he cut the entire. Committee. Well, see, I think. Look, um, from what I know, as my I'm limited understanding, but from you know my economics classes that I took in college, I understand that the economy is is just push and pull. Like it's just like you take a little bit from here and you put it there, yeah. and that's how it works. Yeah. You know, like you have a finite amount of Resources. money and budget, right? Yeah. So, um, I just think that at, this just it just shows how unprecedented this was that. It just came out of nowhere. Yes and no. Yes and no. It's unprecedented. Okay. But it's inevitable. It is inevitable. But the, the, the truth of the matter is the reason why we're staying at home beyond just the virus spreading is because our healthcare system cannot take it. If a million of us were to get coronavirus and be admitted to the hospital, there's not enough beds to, to have that. You know what I yeah. mean? So. That's the issue. There's you know, no I completely agree with you. I think There's that no yeah, I think that I I I, de I definitely think that we were very very ill yeah. ill prepared for this. Yeah, and I guarantee you what's going to happen in the future is we're going to sell a lot of this stuff that's being made now 
to places all over the country. And God forbid in 50 years, 100 years, whatever this happens again, the same shit's going to happen. We don't learn from our mistakes usually. Um, and a lot of us won't be around. I'm just, I'm just really people. looking forward to this investigation after all this is done about what I, this, I, I what this there, truly is and where it came from. But I hope there isn't, honestly. Cause I, I hope there is because I think that we should, we deserve matter, to know. Though? I think we deserve to know, and I think that uh, if we don't, that there's it's gonna there's gonna be this lingering effect of just fear amongst people um, that is gonna be really hard to overcome. I think we, I, th I think as a, as a world, we deserve to know. But in my opinion, it's just a waste of resources. I mean, like, okay, we know what happens now. I don't think so because then it then it sets precedent. Like you could actually do more, um, like do more work to prevent it knowing where it came from. Yeah. Like, did it actually come from bats? Did it not? I mean, Was that's there? What, that's what the doctors are know? saying. I mean, who are we going to trust? But there's a lot of other people saying a lot of other things about labs and yeah, leaks yeah. and this and that. I mean, and we'll I, never I, know. I, I mean, I don't think we'll know the full truth. I think that government has to sometimes control information to avoid chaos i mean and this is like i would say that this is as close to chaos as you're gonna get i mean beyond war um but yeah i don't think anybody business people politicians medical professionals were not prepared for this in what any way shape or form and um i think if anything it'll make us stronger on the other side um i think it'll make us a lot more resilient and you know i i do think that we should just be following these orders as much as i don't like following the rules but uh in general but you know, just safer for me and everybody else around me. So yeah. stay at home, folks. I think it's a good segue into something I, I, I recently like thought was interesting. I, I yeah. was reading an article about, um, I don't even know what it was about, but it mentioned, um, the word bat, B A T in, yeah. in all capital and all caps. And I was like, what the hell is this? You know? And I did some research. I found out that it stands for Baidu, Alibaba and Tencent, which is, which are like the three big companies in China. Um, and and our version of it is is Fang F A A N G, which is Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, kind of the 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 companies that sort of lead the way in terms of value and stock market and all that kind of stuff. It's like the the the, the five big companies. Mm -hmm. And so um, I thought it was interesting because like that's the acronym, and all this sort of apparently mm -hmm. stem from eating bats. Um, but but that aside, I think um, something that's really big right now is is I think kind of mentioned it but the technological arms race mm -hmm. um like what the cold war was back you know back in the day with mm -hmm. the u.s and russia is now technology with u.s and china specifically <laughs> like 5g um, you, did you say russia or china now right now before cold with war. russia yeah. Yeah, yeah um but now with china like yeah. 5g artificial intelligence um machine learning all these technological advancements um i'm sure autonomous vehicles things like mm -hmm. that a lot of it is a war between China and the U.S. and 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 specifically 5G. Like they they have a really strong pulse on it, and and it just like got me thinking. Like where like what is all this? How is all this kind of tied to that? And what what like what is the result of that race going to be a direct um, have a direct impact from all this? You know. It, I don't know the answer. Like, wh like, what are the odds it, this this came from China and, you know, there's yeah. this whole war right now, which is the future. Like, that is the future. Yeah. Like, for those that don't know about 5G, and obviously there's a lot of conspiracy yeah. theories about the health effects of it. But that aside, what 5G is mainly to... Uh, 5G is the next wave of technology. It's going to allow, for example, like autonomous cars to to operate on a network. It's going to allow... we already had 5G. No. 
Well, yeah, there, yeah, of course we do. Yeah, we do have five G. It's not, it's, it's implemented already. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. not implemented at a mass scale yeah, across yeah, the whole yeah. world, but it's out there. It's in many cities already. Yeah. Um, I, I believe it's in China, um, most yeah, of China. Sure. Um, but you know, it's one of the, it's the technology that's basically going to change everything, like moving away from mobile devices into yeah. a completely like non-device world. Um, right. That's gonna, uh, you know be the things like you know like one of those examples of like you walking into a restaurant and the camera recognizes your face right, and knows right. who you are and all that kind of stuff that's all going to be operating on 5g and so that's right. that's basically powering the next wave of technology and, and if that's a race it's if that's a war essentially right now between china and the u.s um it's just weird how all this stuff yeah and you know the out. funny thing about war is that nobody wins <laughs> um and yeah usually every there's an effect across the world and the thing is we live in a globalized world now, right? So everyone's connected to everyone. And who gives a shit who has it first? I mean, fuck it. China can have it first. It's going to eventually come here, right? Like whatever we have, everyone's going to eventually have it anyways. So I don't understand these like technological wars because it just, it's going to be applied towards the masses almost immediately after. Like someone is going to be the leader someone is going to win but like yeah but you have to understand like for example let's say tiktok right right how how big of a platform sure. is tiktok right now you know how much data tiktok tiktok has TikTok, sure yeah tiktok has on yeah. people specifically yeah. americans and so you're saying the united states for example is afraid that information will be controlled yeah by the and Chinese. the ones that in control information typically win out because yeah, like sure. you can't that's that's very dangerous is what i'm saying yeah. and, and again like like i'm not saying it's not about right or wrong here it's just that the way the u.s operates and the way china operates is very very different and so well, for, one if, is, the, if the inverse yeah. were true then it would also be a threat to china but i'm just saying like that that just create that's why this is well we have happening. completely different governmental systems that's what too. i'm saying yeah. that's the scary thing so Again, if the opposite was if the opposite was happening, um, it would be as true. But it, you know, I think that that's the reason why these wars are happening um, is because, and these te technological wars yeah. is because it's just a it's just a race for who can own data, yeah, and who can own information. You know, very true. I mean, it, it's very interesting. I don't know much about it. I mean, I'd love to read more about it and see the true effects of it. I mean, obviously, you know, I had read an article that regarding the Fang versus Bat. That um, technically, the Fang businesses have more cash than Bat businesses, like the Bat businesses. I don't know how true that is. Like at this present moment, there's a difference between cash and power, though. I would still say that the uh, Fang has a lot more power. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's one sided. This yeah. this this war, but it, it is. It is like it's going to be. In, what I'm trying to say is, it's going to be interesting to see how what like what effect this whole situation, this whole pandemic right. has on this, because you know, um, yeah, a lot is going to be different. A lot is going to change. You know, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's inter It's interesting. I mean, yeah. it's very interesting. I mean, all eight of those companies are literally used on a daily basis. Yeah. In one shape or another, yeah. even if you have no idea who Baidu and Tencent yeah. are, you're they're probably you know they probably show up in your life. Facebook literally controls global communication, literally not global, but yeah. I mean, between the WhatsApp, yeah, and Facebook and Instagram. I mean, unless it's banned, China's like it's China's a Turkey. big part of the globe, and they have their own they have their own yeah. way of doing. Well, things. look, that is that this is the that is the pro and con of a globaliz globalized world globalized economy it's like you know we have the ability to communicate and be connected to other worlds and other countries but 
at the same time, you know, anything that impacts them impacts us. So, you know, it's like, you know, would you rather just speak, you know, United States on its own uh, and everything is kind of like ancestral and everything is to ourselves or, you know, would you want to be part of a greater world? Yeah, the part that the part that irks me or like the the part that like bothers me in terms of thinking that way is that we don't necessarily know what come what's uh, you know what's coming out of china is true because <laughs> yeah, because they have a they have yeah. a stronghold yeah. on their you know their whole yeah. news yeah, that yeah, they, I mean, yeah they control know, that they control it so um, it's a communist country we don't know we don't know exactly how powerful they are we don't know exactly yeah. what they're capable of a lot of it could of. be propaganda a lot it of it could is. be perhaps but we can't i don't know I, we can't risk that yeah so um that's the that's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing. So um so yeah, but um yeah, gonna int- gonna be interesting how, to see how that plays out. Uh, what else do we have here? What do we have? We have a lot of stuff. We do. <laughs> We're like fifty two minutes in now. Okay, well, why don't we talk about two or three more of these topics and call it a call yeah. it a day? Well, we uh, here. Let's talk about something more positive. A question here that we put on here was. Have we become more connected because of all the video conferencing that we've been doing? More connected. It's weird. That word connection is weird because I feel like me personally, it seems like the world is more connected than ever, but we're also more disconnected than ever. Right. Like what does connection mean? Is it physical face-to-face interaction? No. Or is it more than that? Is there a deep level of connection that we lack as a human species. But also you can ask yourself, does a deep level of connection require face-to-face communication and face-to-face interaction? No, I, I think, I think, I think it requires us to know each other m- more. And don't you think that us having to be locked up for the past month and for the foreseeable future gives us that opportunity to get to know people more? I don't think it has anything to do with what's happening right now. I think we had the opportunity before this all existed. But we didn't do it. Right. Whether or not we did it or not doesn't mean that we didn't have the opportunity. It's weird. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it's changed in terms of the opportunity to connect more and and whether or not we have more connection. Um, I don't know because we think that we're connected with the, the resources that we have, you know, with being able to, you know, go on Twitter and Instagram and know what's happening at all times or text each other anytime, call each other anytime. But it's like, it's like, why, why is there still so much, um, you know, why are there still so many, so many issues with mental health and, you know, just this whole feeling of disconnection with, with people. Or is that just how, how I'm seeing it? It's not, I mean, I'm sure a lot of other people see it like that. I think mental health is connected and not connected to this specific topic. I think that, my, my, the reason why I was thinking about this question was because even though we've had the opportunity, we've had the technology, all that stuff, I think that we were spending time doing other things, right? Either being out, eating out, et cetera. Like I, for my, like just me, for example, like I've had Zoom calls and FaceTimes with people that I've never Zoomed or FaceTimed with in my life before. Um, people that I haven't talked to in God knows how long that are now connecting with me and me with, me with them. Um, and I'm not complaining. It's It's really interesting, I think. I think in a way it brings us all together because we're all on the same like level playing field. Um, and that's kind of where I was thinking about it more in terms of like actual mental health. I think that there's going to be more issues because of the economy more than anything and people not being at work and not making money and yeah, et cetera, et cetera. And 
you know, a lot of people that, you know, have like, let's say long distance relationships that can't see their loved ones or family or whatever it may be. Or even when somebody's now dying in a hospital, you can't see them anymore. And that's going to cause mental health issues for the people that lost somebody. Right. So I think mental health is a whole separate issue. I think it's going to be massive problem. I think that, you know, mental health professionals are going to be, um, way in demand. And I think that there's going to be a lot of opportunities for businesses to, you know, provide, yeah. like one thing I was thinking about was like at home mental health care, just the same way we have like at home, like uh, physical therapy, for example, you know, why don't we have at home mental care? Why can't the person come to you and have a conversation with you and, you know, kind of be your mental therapist, like face to face in your home, out of the comfort of your home, whatever things such as things of that nature. Yeah. I think though on the connection level, like I had never used zoom before. Yeah, you know, and now like I don't think most people yeah. had. Like we uh, had if you, if you look at their meetings. stock price, the rise in their stock price, you can. Tell. Yeah, you were saying you had like a dinner like over Zoom last night. So yeah, we had a we had a family Easter dinner. Yeah, over Zoom. I think now if anything, it gives you more of an opportunity to be connected and know how to be connected. But you know what's interesting about that about connection is that like it's kind of like you know people that you see all the time, every like you know your family or your friends or people you see like very often. Um, you have obviously this connection with them, um, but those people that you don't see a lot and, and you see them, you know, every now and then, like, I feel like it's a different feeling. It's a different type of connection. Right. right. And sometimes I feel like when we know too much about what's going on, we almost like feel more disconnected. Does that make sense? Like you feel like you, or maybe you want to be more disconnected. I want to be more disconnected. You know what I'm saying? So then, then like it, it, it's sort of like, you know, I was trying to think about this. Like if this pandemic happened, like, I don't know, a hundred, well did, but like when, when it happened a hundred years ago, um, how did they, how did they go about knowing what was happening with everybody? They died. No, 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 no. I meant more I, so. I know they didn't though. They didn't. Yeah. That's why they died. Well, yes, but, but I'm saying more so on the level of like connecting with other human beings, like outside of like the health stuff like just like more so knowing what people it was are probably to. like letters or like telegram I, mean, I don't know it was 1918 1919 like there was no internet there was no i mean there was maybe phones but probably word of mouth but that's why more people died like yeah. right now like the fact that we have technology it's literally saving lives yeah literally i mean like but another thing also back then that i found out recently was now back in that time more young people died because what happened was the stronger your immune system, your immune system was attacking it. So you more young people died back then. Now it's, you know, vice versa, where if you have a strong immune system, you're probably going to fight it better. But yeah, I mean, and that is the pro and con of technology, right? Like in a way, you know, one thing that, you know, I've always said is that it has the ability to bring us closer together, but at the same time, it's created more of a disconnect between us because we just know more all the time. I can know your life based on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. So when I see you, even if I've never seen you for three years, I know everything that's going right. through like your in your life. I know you have kids. I know who your husband and wife is, whatever, whatever. I feel less connected because I don't really care. Right. You know, because I don't have an emotional connection. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that there's levels, right? There's physical connection, there's spiritual connection, emotional connection, yeah. you know, business connection, whatever. I think what technology will never, and I'm, I mean, I say that a little boldly, it is very, very hard to have and create emotional connection through a virtual system or whatever it may be. Like. Right. That's why we prefer, like, for example, to do these podcasts with guests in person because it's a whole different feeling. It's a whole different... Comple- I mean, like... And we're going to have to do these over... But you know why? Because 
I can't read your body language as well in via Zoom. I can, maybe I can see your eyes or whatever, but like, I think I think virtual reality is going to be a solution yeah, to a lot of this. That might make a difference. Um, yeah, but I think that just tone of voice, you know, changes in the voice tone, or what, I mean, like your body, your body movements, etc. Those are forms of communication. That yeah, maybe virtual reality will solve for the most part. But right now, those are the things that don't really exist via the virtual world, and you know, whether it's dating or meetings, it's hard to create that emotional connection. I mean, like. That's why after you meet on Tinder, you still meet somebody in person. I mean, there's no such thing. I mean, it's not a, there's no virtual marriage. I mean, like, you know, it's some of these things that well, happen these online. days. I'm sure people are getting married virtually. Yeah, I mean, yeah, probably. But like, again, there's just something different. I don't know. There's something missing. I don't know how to put it into words, but yeah, yeah. I don't think anything will ever replace physical touch and physical connection. I, I really don't. But, you but know, do, you somebody will like, me wrong. do you see us? getting to a place in the near future where we do continue to have these massive gatherings like yeah these uh yeah. you don't think like people are just gonna be like fearful of it i think some people are gonna be fearful of it um i think that we just have to change the ways we interact i think there was somebody was saying like uh i think it was dr fauci about like um like we should like completely ban handshakes and i'm okay with that you know like i'm totally fine with that i don't really care um i think for the most part and again, kind of going back to the data, um, in 1919, or was it 1982 or 1919? Something, yeah, around that time. Spanish around flu? Time. Huh? The flu, the Spanish yeah. influenza, yeah. It took about three to four years for things to normalize, meaning people to go back to restaurants and big gatherings or whatever. I think now it'll be a little faster than that. Um, but I also think that there's going to be a gradual type of thing where there's restaurants and massive gatherings are going to be a little bit more mandated to have... X number of people, X number of distance, et cetera, et cetera, just to kind of like slowly acclimate people back into society. But eventually you cannot keep people apart. Yeah. I mean, if we're locked up for three, four months, people are going to lose their shit. I mean, they're going to lose their mind. I mean, some people might be okay with it, but I guarantee you people will not be able to function normally. And it's going to be like a shock coming out of that. Yeah. It's literally like prison. Honestly, well, I mean, better, but like it, it's it the really, same type of environment. Honestly, sometimes I think it depends on the person. I think there are a lot of people that are doing just fine right now and don't feel yeah, like they're are. imprisoned. But I'm well, not doing so great. <laughs> I mean, I'm uh, fine, but it's like, look, the thing is, a lot of things can be worse. Um, uh -huh. Your health can be worse. The economy could be worse. This has been like the weirdest time of all time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's going to be a great story. I can't wait to tell my kids and grandkids, like, yeah, we stayed home for three months because there was this virus. The crazy thing is how documented it already is. Like, like yeah. past things, like situations like this, you know, when yeah. we hear from, like, our grandparents or, like, right. just history books. Yeah. Like, it wasn't, like, this wildly documented for everyone to see. Right. So, it's sort of like the story's already been told. But Back in you can say it from your, your experience. Back in soldiers came and knocked down the doors. And exactly. they broke into yeah. our house and <laughs> they took our belongings. <laughs> yeah, no one's coming into my house. Yeah. That's what happened. One other time. topic um, I was just thinking, I've been thinking a lot about, and I was already thinking about this before yeah. all this happened, but is, like, the future of education. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know it's a big one, um, big one, but we can kind of like we can end on it. Yeah, end on it. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, from you know, I'm not in college right now, um, but I wish like, I was. Yeah. Well, no, you don't, because um, from what I'm hearing, in like it's just like ones. it's just like you're still having to pay. Yeah. 
all this money that you would have paid going yeah. physically to the university and sitting in class yeah. to take classes online, which is absolutely not the same, which I totally understand. Yeah. But if you were paying like a fraction of what you would be paying, mm -hmm. I think it would be a great solution. And I think, I think the future is something gonna, yeah. it's going to be, it's going to look a lot like this. Right. So I think we're getting used to it. And I think there's going to be this massive, I think this is the start of this mm -hmm. like big pivot towards, you know, you, we call it alternative education right now, but it's going to be the primary form of education right. if it continues on this path of just like massively inflated tuition and all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, it's going to, it's going to be interesting to see like how that changes. Cause I feel like people are starting to realize you don't need to pay that much money right. to go drive or live at some random place to go physically to class yeah. and all this stuff. Right. Yes, there's an argument about the whole social aspect. Yeah. And that could, I think I'm pretty confident that could be figured out in another way. But I just think that it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me. The yeah. cost of going Good to college right now for what you're getting that you could have otherwise gotten for a much lower price online or some sort of, you know, version that requires a lot less overhead, a lot less right. money to operate. I just think that that is going to be like the future. Yeah. And, and let's take and a very step, quickly. Let's take a step back for a moment. So like I've been like one, one kind of like positive thing for me has been like, because of my involvement with the, so I'm on the board of directors, of the school that I went to as a kid from like preschool to eighth grade. And, um, one of the, I've learned a lot. That's for sure. In the past, like few months from this, I mean, it's been like, it's been interesting because I've learned a lot about just the educational system. Number one, I've learned a lot about distance learning. I've learned a lot about finance, et cetera, et cetera, and policies. And so let me break it down. Like from my experience and then we can go into college from our experience, um, preschool, right? We're, you're three years old, four years old, five years old. Most of us went to preschool. Um, it's, in my opinion, and some of the people that are on the board disagree with me, is that it is glorified childcare. I mean, it, for the most part, it's childcare. There is definitely an educational component, right? Like child development and, you know, the psychology behind that and et cetera, et cetera. But for the most part, it's, it's because parents are working during the day and they can't take care of their kids from 8 a.m. to 3 or 4 p.m. or whatever it may be. And they're going to pay for that childcare for the food that that child gets, you know, and plus the social aspect, the socialization. I think that if anything, that is the beginning of socialization. You learn how to interact with other people and how to share and et cetera, et cetera, and how to talk with the other people while you're three, four, five years old. For kindergarten to eighth grade, we've been implementing online learning and there's things such as Google Classroom and et cetera, et cetera, and all these textbooks that can be taught online. And, you know, you have to bring teachers up to speed. And that's been a big issue is like, teachers not being like savvy unless they're young uh, and getting them to lecture on, you know, on their computer screens and call on students or whatever. I mean, it's, it's a whole new world. And I think for sure there's going to be solutions to that and you can press a button and raise your hand, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Obviously, you know, there's a, and that's like the K through eight. I mean, that's like your fundamental school years. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like, I remember like I had a fantastic experience when I was growing up with my friends and, you know, I learned, I think I would say a lot from my K through eighth grade. And like, that's where I really, I think developed a lot of my basic academic knowledge, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. When it does come to things like college though, I look back, we both went to USC and, you know, we have a fuck ton of loans right now, but the 
biggest takeaway for me was the social aspect and yeah. my the clubs that I was in and the orgs I was a part of and the friends I met and the teachers that I interacted with. If you ask me, like, what did you learn at USC? I can't remember. I can't remember. Yeah, you know, there's. I'm sure there's See, things that are the just big ingrained. thing though. The big issue, and, and 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 I'm not saying that like college isn't great. I love call. I loved college. Yeah. I think I think for what it was, I think I think I, I I think it was awesome, and I think a lot of people get a lot of value from it. But does that value equate to what you're no. paying? Is the big doesn't. question. Like, look, if 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 as a country we continue to to improve on public education, you're not spending money going to K right. through eight to high school. Right? right. So for you as an individual, like, of course it makes sense. Like, well, like you don't have to do that. I'm not saying like all of school should, should, is eventually going to be online. Oh Maybe God. it will. But I think the main thing right now is professional degrees. When you're at an age that you could, uh, you know, you're, you're willing to go to college right now. You, you legally have to go to K through 12, like as a, as a person in well, K through eight, probably no, even to through 12. Is it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's, I mean, it's like... I mean, you could drop out. Sure, and yeah, maybe, I don't know. But but what I'm saying is like, like going to college is a voluntary thing. So yeah. you're going to college because you want to learn, right? You're or, paying all this, yeah, you want to learn. Like you want to learn and you want to get an acquired skill set so you can... Yeah. Sure, and that's a whole different well, issue. Well, you want to get higher. You should, you should want to go to college because yeah. you want to learn. Yeah. So in that sense that it's voluntary, then I think that... I think the online thing makes a lot more sense because now you're willing to adapt. You're willing to change. Like if you're a kid in like fifth grade or like whatever, even in high school right now, like I know kids, I, I talk, you know, I talked to like a couple of kids that I know that are in high school. Like they're just like, they don't, they're just like kind of cheating their way through yeah. it. Like they're not really good. They're not because that's just the way high, high school is just like right. one of those things where a lot of people just don't take it as seriously. But mm. in college, it's like, I think it makes a lot more sense and I think it'll start there and then eventually trickle down. I think there's a lot of positive, like you said, socially when you're younger um, to be going to like a classroom. And I think that technology will be a supplement to right. that physical classroom. But I think when it comes to universities, I just think that the price of going to college and getting a four-year degree has gotten so inflated. And I don't think that the return on investment is necessarily there in many cases right. that I think that there has to be some sort of disruption there. Well, would you say that if they lowered the cost of education, that you would still be an advocate of going to the physical campus? Because I think from what you're saying, that the root cause here is the price versus value thing, right? There, look, there are. I think there are a lot of other problems, uh, fundamental issues with the current four-year university system. Right, sure. I think a lot of the material in many cases that you learn is like outdated. not. Yeah, it's outdated. It's not up to date. It could be better, um, but I think a lot of it does stem from how much it costs and i don't know if they can necessarily lower it at this point like that much they can't because it's at a point where teachers and professors expect to be paid exactly astronomical amounts. and also well, dude, demand is there i mean we hear it all the time that colleges are getting record number of applications so why lower it supply yeah, is, i mean that's so the if, issue if supply is stagnant and demand is just continues to go up price will continue to go up yeah. and there will be no and that's why, you know, when I look at it on a realistic standpoint, I don't see much change happening. I think there will be more supplements, um, you know, because I, I just think about it and I'm just like, I've been talking to a few of my friends that are in grad programs specifically right now, you know, whether it's law school, business school, both I've talked to, they're like, we are like not learning anything. Where? Online. Why? Because they're like not motivated whatsoever to follow. There's more distractions. There's less people to interact with. I mean, it's a different environment, dude. Imagine you're learning a law in your room 
It's a fucking disaster. At least when you're like with other people, like you could suffer together or business or whatever. So I do, I think the socialization aspect goes beyond just the physical speaking to one another. I think it's also part of the learning experience. And I think that, and I don't even know what side I'm advocating for anymore, but it's like, I think that there is going to definitely need to be a stronger supplemental education. Yeah. I think that things such as class discussions and, you know, et cetera, that can happen and should happen in person. Lectures, yeah, I don't think they need to happen in person. But I think that having students together and participating together and doing projects together. I think that all goes back to the the conversation we were having about working from home and remote work and 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 people being able to stay productive while working virtually. And I think that I think it's I think it's similar in a in a classroom environment. And I and I think that um you know um I think it really starts with I think it starts with the organizations that put that value on a four-year degree like who the fuck said that you have to go to stanford and get a four-year degree to be able to nobody nobody i mean that's just this narrative that's been playing over and over again for so many years that i think as you go to a public you go to public as you see more real world examples of people who chose not to do that become successful and get a job that would have otherwise been seem impossible to get right. if you didn't i think that's going to create more of a, a ripple effect and, and get more people to forego going to spend spending all his money to go to yeah. like a prestigious university because who no one it's no one cares nobody cares it's not going to matter as much i think truly i think your portfolio quote-unquote is going to do the talking for itself or you know your resume or whatever it may be um you, the skills that you have but you know a, a big part of me still thinks and i think what's going to happen more so is there's going to be probably like a hybrid model that becomes a lot more popular or it could be one of these big universities taking that hybrid model and becoming the leader in that. For a fraction of the price. For a fraction of the price so that others follow, right? If Harvard, and I think it'll be Harvard, I think if Harvard says, you know what, we're going to go full on hybrid. Half your classes that are on are going to be online, half your classes are going to be in person, et cetera, or whatever they just decide to do. Now that Harvard as a prestigious school is doing this and is still better than, you know, other schools, technically, whatever, others are going to follow because it's gonna, they're going to have to compete or else they're going to miss out on the top quality students, right? So the only thing that I think will create that environment is competition. There's no other thing. It's not going to be like, you know, a code academy competing against Harvard and Stanford. There's no weight, you know, the weight that that name carries even for me, if I'm a parent, I would honestly rather send my kid to Stanford than the Code Academy. Hold on, though. Is it because of the name or is it because of the professors and the system and the curriculum and what you learn at Stanford? I, I think it's the community. Okay. Okay. So what if there was an alternative that had just as good, if not better, professors and a better curriculum or just as good with a similar acceptance strategy okay. where you get quality you know smart whatever individuals coming in and learning like can't that compete as well why if it has if it's called branford does it have the same community yeah how um i think that you can approach um i think that with the right amount of like funding also and resources to be able to afford to Mm -hmm. carry this out um i i think that you could even approach professors. Imagine going to the top 30 schools in the nation and getting professors from all of them and telling them, hey, part-time, like, meanwhile, while you're working here, do, 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 you know, work for us, teach on our platform, 
and you have a similar, you know, rigorous acceptance process and you accept top students who don't want to pay mm-hmm. 80, you know, $60,000 a year to, to, to go to one of those mm-hmm. colleges can pay a fraction of that and get the same education, um, you know, and be amongst peers that are of the same, you know, on the same level. I think that a lot of people would do it. Look, it's likely. Um, I think that, I, you know, for example, like we went to USC and, you know, we see the strong alumni base. And I think that that's very hard to replace. I think that what can happen, I think that, and where it might start, is if the top 30, top 25 schools or whatever in the nation develop these like supplemental type programs that allow you to enroll only in that program, but allow you access into their community. Because right now there's like the Harvard online classes. But why does the community have to be in person? It doesn't, but I think that there is history that is hard to replace. I really do. I mean, like, you know, when we become parents, you know, our parents, our our friends are going to be part of our children's community. And there's a lot of weight in that, that again, I'm not saying it's impossible to replace, but I don't think a purely online program will be able to do that. I think if it's well designed and online can mean anything from current, current technology, using current technology like Zoom to eventually virtual reality, which I think is going to be a huge um, aspect to this, uh, you know, disruption. But I think, um, you know, it, it really like, my experience in college, and, and I think everyone's is different, but, and I think a lot of people had a similar experience as I did. A lot of the professors that I had, um, I don't want to generalize, but many of them I could have had better professors and a lot better of an experience. They were not qualified to be professors at that level. Many mm-hmm. of them. Okay. Um, for different reasons. One, it's not that they, they didn't know the material. It's that they just didn't know how to teach. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they didn't, though. they didn't know how to get that material across. So, so why I think that, um, I think that there are a lot of, uh, really brilliant people out there that the world could benefit from their mm-hmm. teachings. I think that there should be better ways of taking those that what's in that person's mind and communicating it to mm-hmm. a group of people. Right. And I think technology is going to do that. To your point, it could be a supplement or it could be a complete replacement to what we see now. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to start as a supplement, but I'm not I'm not uh, like I'm pretty sure, certain that at some point very quickly um there will be v- like like replacements and substitutes that are just as good as what you would get going to Harvard or Stanford, if not better. Think about this because I think that there are a lot of brilliant people out there. You know how like they say like um, A students work for C students and B students work for the government. I think it's similar to like, you know, A experts and C, like B B experts like go and teach or something like that. Like, you know, because look, for example, I took a lot of entrepreneurship classes, right? Several of my entrepreneurship professors right. had never started successful right. ventures. Why are they teaching entrepreneurship? Right. I would rather listen to a podcast from a successful person and right. learn from them or AKA read a book. Exactly. So what I'm saying Big is setup. what Big I'm setup. saying is uh, there are a lot of brilliant people out there that you could learn from and you would much rather learn from that aren't professors in a classroom because they have better shit to do. Right. That you that technology could leverage their understanding and for example, like from their home part time, they could be teaching a class, you know, that you could learn more from than than four months, you know, full time as a student in college is I think that that technology will allow more um, quote unquote like professors to enter the market that maybe wouldn't have been professors otherwise. I think one thing I think about when you say that it's like um, 
it's almost like instead of having professors of classes, so because I'm just thinking like you know obviously like think about like just the real estate that these schools have. I mean it's fucking massive. Yeah. But you know there's a lot you could do with that for sure. You know you could put in different businesses, small businesses in there to support you know the students there and put businesses et cetera et cetera. Um, but I think instead of professors, what can maybe happen is um, they take more of this like project management approach or like a project yeah like a project manager or like a curriculum coordinator or something like that where let's say Patrick is an accounting department curriculum coordinator and you know, whatever accounting's broken down into several different classes. Give me class in accounting. I don't know. Managerial accounting. Managerial accounting. So Patrick now is going to coordinate a managerial accounting class that students have signed up for or whatever. Patrick as the curriculum coordinator, project manager, whatever we could call him, GM goes and finds like people that can teach certain material within that curriculum. You develop the curriculum, you teach it. Who are best in their, that, their best experts or just in that whatever, aspect. Yeah, whatever yeah. you decide your criteria is. And you become almost like the a project manager. driver. Yeah, a project manager really. But you're you are PM, the one yeah. driving it. Yeah, it's a PM. But like you also have an educational background to understand that stuff. For I sure. don't think, I think it should be educators. It would just give another opportunity for them to, you know, utilize their, you know, skills in a different way. And they can then through online technologies or whatever, or even physical, if that person's in LA and they're in LA, you could come in person, but leverage that technology, leverage the resources, et cetera, you know, create, you know, you know, virtual groups or whatever, and implement that into that. I think what could be interesting is creating that technology to allow people to do that, right? Because I think right now, Zoom isn't the answer, but I think beyond that, I think if I'm, for if for example, I am an expert in like shoemaking, you know, how am I going to teach you that on fucking Zoom? I, it's very hard. But if I can find a way to then, you know. It should be easy know. for you. It should be seamless. Right. You shouldn't have to do all this work to. Right. The main thing is you have you have this level of mastery, this expertise yeah. that you've acquired yeah. through your years and years. You should be paid for that, right? right. And people would should want to learn from you right. as opposed to yeah. someone who has maybe read a bunch of books about it, but yeah. has, was never successful enough to be a you know, uh, like a master at it and they chose to, uh, mm -hmm. to teach. And I'm not saying that they're like inferior right. to, to the master, but, but uh, they might not be the best person to learn from. Right. And as someone who's paying that much money to learn, I want to learn from the best. Right. And so if, if technology can leverage the minds and the, the knowledge of the best and, and make it easy for them to share that information to a lot of people, I right. think that that is going to be the future of education. Mm -hmm. and, and you can do it in a lot cheaper way mm -hmm. than what it is now. Like you said, with all this money tied up in the real estate right. and, and having to operate and facilities and all this stuff, like why do you fucking need that? You don't need that. You don't need that. But even if you have that already and it's, it's, it's too much of a, it's too much of a problem to then sell it off or whatever you're going to do with it. There's opportunity there to like build incubators to have yeah. other businesses come there and sell their products, whatever it may be like. Yeah, There's, I mean, you could do something with real estate. It's not an issue. But I would personally be interested more in a model where the person that I interact with in the classroom isn't necessarily my teacher, but is more so the person that is, um, you know, bringing the curriculum together and kind of guiding the course, as opposed to the person that's kind of the know-it-all who doesn't actually know it all. Um, you know, in certain classes, you know, for example, I had like a speech class and the guy was a great speech writer and a, he, he knew what he was doing. But certain classes that are more theoretical based you know, you could still have different professors teaching different, like there are professors that are good. Let's like, like say you're right. I went to law school, like in contract law, there's a lot of different areas of contracts. You know, why not have somebody teach about, you know, offers? Why not have somebody teach about, you know, impossibility clauses or whatever. That's some, an expert in that specific area. Like that would be interesting. I think the main thing, I think the biggest thing is 
um, I haven't really taken too much time to think about this. So, um, you know, you know, um, but like, it's mainly how much attention I think the value of education is really tied to the ability to maximize the attention of the student Mm -hmm. because the more attentive they are, Mm -hmm. the more they can learn, the more they're going to see value in their education. And I think that in college, because it's kind of like a crash course and you have all these classes and you have four months to fucking learn this shit, you know, a lot of stuff, like you said, you don't remember a lot of it because it just kind of goes by the wayside and you remember the like important thing, the things that you found important, that things that you found relatable to Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. That's the stuff that you find important. So um, I think that the biggest thing is this, this is how do you grab the attention? And I think that the way it's done now with one professor teaching one class that I personally was skeptical of every single professor I had because that was my initial reaction. Like, why are you the most qualified person to learn from? And And in many cases I was, I was disappointed because like I wasn't, like you, I, you weren't, I'm learning more from, from watching things and learning things and reading things, sorry, reading things and watching things right. and listening to things. than I am sitting here learning from you in your boring voice, reading off of a book that you apparently wrote yeah. that, that is not actually the best way right. to learn. Like, that's exactly what I'm saying right. is the problem. And I think, look, I think the one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to make it in a system where it's just one institution, right? I think that there is value to the institutional aspect of it. I think that, you know, there should be schools that have best students, et cetera, et cetera, still with diversity. But also what that could do is it could create competition amongst educators or mm. amongst quote-unquote educators or actual educators to be paid more based on... Wait, I have an idea about this and I'll tell you offline because yes, I don't want to give it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, there definitely is opportunities for these schools to remain intact. Yeah, I think that there needs to be te- technologies that allow and to work with them. I don't think that the whole goal should be to rem- take them out. I, again, there is a lot of... It's the same with like having investors in a company, right? Like they have institutional knowledge that no fucking textbook is going to give you and you're not going to know yourself unless you've had like, you've gone through it, right? Like we know more about podcasting than somebody else does. Yeah. And that's just the institutional knowledge we have about podcasting because we've done it than nobody else has unless they've done it. So there is value to that. And I think a lot of younger people forget institutional knowledge is important. Like even at my school, like there's people that are 80 years old that I think I'm smarter than, but they have institutional knowledge about the way things work, about chemistry, right. about culture that I don't necessarily think about. Well, they've so, had more time to be exposed to it. Right, but it creates this well-roundedness. So yep. if we can work together as opposed to work against each other, which I think a lot of educational companies, tech companies are trying to do, those guys are not going to win. Mm-hmm. If you compete against Harvard or USC or Stanford or Princeton, you're going to lose. They're going to eventually find a way. They're going to hire you. They're going to buy you. They're going to find your competitor. Yeah. And they're going to do exactly what you're doing. If you can find a way to work with them, almost create like SaaS for education mm-hmm, mm-hmm, products mm-hmm, like that, mm-hmm. then you're in a better position because now you can slowly change how things work yeah. and, you know, actually provide real value for a fraction of the cost. So, or maybe not, you could still charge that much money because you're getting the best talent out there and still need to charge. Like if USC right. gets the, me the best people, I'm okay to pay that $50,000, $60,000. Yeah, it's, it's really the value that you're getting yeah. for that. And right yeah. now, the way it is now, um, in general, USC, Harvard, Stanford, you name it, um, I just don't think, I think most people uh, would agree with me that I just don't think the what you're paying equates to the value you're right. getting out of it, that you couldn't otherwise get for a lot less elsewhere. Um, but I'm pretty fired up about this. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I would prefer to talk online about the rest of this. Uh, sorry, offline, offline about yeah. the rest of this. I, I this will system. say one thing though, um, because I, I, yeah. I've talked to a lot of uh, people who are parents of younger kids uh, who you know have students from pre uh, preschool to eighth grade, and 
Um, I do think that there's been a greater appreciation for teachers at that level um, in terms of, again, taking care of your kids. I mean, like, I think to myself, I, you know, you, I'm sure your parents will say the same. Like, our teachers, for the most part, were like our parents from 8 a.m. to 3, 4 p.m. Like, mm-hmm. they taught us things. They disciplined us. They, you know, took care of us. They A lot of teachers really care for their kids, man. Like, mm-hmm. you think about it, both public and private schools, like, these people really care, man. Like, they don't get paid anything. You know, I've seen yep. their paychecks. It's like horrendous. Yeah. I think if anything, as a future parent, I would rather pay more for my child's early development than my than the later development. Like, mm. I would pay much more. I would rather pay $50,000 to a preschool yeah. so that teacher can get paid because they're literally teaching my kids the, the fundamentals. Skills. Yeah. yeah, like from day one. If you're by fucking 21 years old and you haven't figured yeah. out how to fucking no, I, I, do I things. I completely agree. Then, I think, I think if the foundation is strong enough, I think that... Um, an, a student eventually, as they get older, can can find for their own better like ways to educate themselves. Um, you know, in, instead of being a part of a system that is sort of like they can be more active than yeah. than passive yeah. when it comes to their learning, for their sure. education. Like they can be seeking out the education, knowing where to seek out. And you know what? It's it is an easy fix. Like if there is technology and supplemental technology at the higher education level, for example, take the UC schools. There can be less funding to the UC schools and more funding for the for the local LAUSD and San Francisco school district and all these other smaller school districts that are from K to 12. Those teachers get paid nothing, right? They do more work than a professor. Our professors didn't do anything. They had one class and they were quote unquote researching. What the fuck were they researching? Their next textbook that they were going to use for their one course that no one else was going to buy. Yeah. So it's just what happened was I think it was all these different like lies built on top of each other and all this bullshit stuff. And it ruined. Well, the look, I think that I think that a long, long time ago it made sense, but as technology advanced and as information became more accessible, um, and as people became more connected um, on online and, and yeah. virtually, um, or through technology, I think that these universities started um, trying to adapt yeah. and introduce new programs that doesn't necessarily work for that system. Mm-hmm. So I think that what we're gonna see. Before, like, before, you know, in the in the future, before these institutions completely, mm-hmm. just completely go down, I think we're going to see them transform more into, like, institutions for professional, certain professional yeah. degrees, like medicine or law or things that is going to be very difficult to teach online. But no, most and things... And I think those should stay in person. Yes. Well... For the time being, until there's a better solution. But I think that immediately right now, there there are better solutions yeah. for everything else. But even then, right? Like, I think this this current crisis has been a perfect example of the need for yeah. more healthcare, right? Yeah. Um, like, skip your residencies and all that stuff. Just come straight well, to that's work. that's what they're doing. Yeah, I know. You know, like, but, th- and that's the thing. Why do they need that much time? I'd rather them practice on human beings in real life. I mean, maybe not real life, but like... You want you want them to know what they're doing. <laughs> no, no, you do. But like yeah. a textbook is going to teach them the anatomy, which again, it's important like in medicine. But beyond that, it's like teach them through practice. Like make it easier to become a doctor. Like, right? Let the, weed them out at one point. But like, do, you know how hard the, it is? I think the big risk is like medical malpractice and you don't want to... But that's going to happen regardless. I mean, that, that could happen because of greed. That's not because of incompetency. That True. usually is because of greed. Yeah. So same with law, same with business, everything. It's not because you're dumb. Well, sometimes you are, but it's mostly because of greed. So I don't know. I think that a lot of things will change. I think that there obviously is a greater need for healthcare um, on all levels, both. I mean, and I think that understanding medicine and just or health in general is important for it to be a tech professional too. I think um, it's not necessary, but it, it's nice to have. 
Um, but again, you know, we can keep going, going on and on and on. But we'll no, do another is, after hours too. Yeah, this has been this has been really fun. If you're still listening, um, shout out to you. Like the we, three of we, you. Yeah, we appreciate you. Um, if you <laughs> guys, if you guys have any thoughts on any of this stuff, if you agree, disagree, have any thoughts to add, um, please hit us up. Um, you could email us pat or yeah. posh at thefounderhour.com. DM us uh, at thefounderhour. Yeah. Um, hit us up. Yep. Let us know and, what you think. And we've been a lot more active on uh, email and our blogging lately. And, um, you know, I, we definitely want to continue that. We've seen a lot of you guys read our blogs and our emails. And um, if there's any topics that you want me and Pat to dive deeper on and, you know, either have a podcast or even just like a blog post about it or an email about it, or you want to hear from a certain, you know, person or whatever it may be, uh, be in contact with us and, you know, I think that one thing that Pat and I discussed is that, you know, for the time being, we're going to start going remote mm -hmm. uh, with our guests because we don't want to stop doing the podcast, obviously. Um, we've been doing it for two and a half years and we don't want the coronavirus to bring us down either. Um, and so we're just going to continue doing it remotely for the time being. And, you know, we'll get back to in person as soon as we're, you know, we can and we're allowed to. Uh, so you'll have to excuse the reduced yeah, sound quality. Bear, bear with us. We're going to try our best. Bit. Yeah. So, so far today, we're not doing it uh, remotely. So we're using our uh, professional mics. But in the future, just bear with us. And, um, you know, we're still going to bring you the best content. And, you know, we still want to keep producing. And, you know, we want to come out on the other side in a position of strength um, by being one of the few podcasts that's still producing content. And I think we've seen a lot of podcasts stop. Uh, which sucks, you know. I, I I don't want people to stop making podcasts, and yeah. the community as a whole, I think, um, should come together and support each other. And uh, I'd love I'd love that, and I, I love seeing where it's going to go. And I know you're not commuting. I know you're not going to the gym. I'm not doing those things either. Neither is Pat, and we're upset about those two things, mostly about the gym. Uh, but, but hey, man, I, I've actually been listening to the same amount of podcasts. I've been doing yeah, it on same, my walks. Same, I've been walking. Like, for like an hour a day listening and that's to what i was gonna say you know like if, if you're not driving take a walk for an hour for 45 minutes or whatever and instead of being on instagram or tiktok you know put on a podcast or two and just yeah. listen or if you know? you're cooking or doing yeah, something at home just like honestly even for your kids like we try to keep it you know pretty pg pg 13 and like for the most lot, part yeah for the most part you know <laughs> i say shit here and there but like um you know i know a lot of you know young kids that are into entrepreneurship and so uh what better time than now to listen to story of founders Yep. to get inspired by so with that said stay safe out there keep social distancing let's flatten the curve let's get over this we'll yep. come out stronger yep and we'll see you soon gotta build my summer bot somehow <laughs> peace